you showing up with your dream in your hand and someone deciding that they'd like to take advantage of that until their dream is just totally squashed. Then you just find another person with a dream. And in LA, there are a lot of those people. There should be. Dreams are good and healthy and beautiful. And the people who suck on them, like batteries, are vampires. It's disgusting. Nobody joins a cult. It's just not a thing. Welcome to Was I in a Cult? I'm Tyler Meesom. And I'm Liz Iacuzzi. Okay, so on this show, thus far, we have covered a few very interesting cults, and many of them are your more typical cults, embedded in religion or worship, on a commune, with the right weird garb, whatever it may be. But there's a reason that this show is called Was I in a Cult, rather than I Was in a Cult. Because on this show, we explore lesser-known cults, cults that don't sometimes appear on face value to be anywhere near a cult, like today's episode, which was... An acting class. A what? Yeah. A seemingly innocent acting class in the San Fernando Valley, which turned into a cult. I gotta be honest, Liz, when I first heard about this, I didn't believe that an acting class could be a cult. I know. Nobody believes that. I know, but you convinced me of it because... Because I was in it, Tyler. Yes. Yes. Yeah, baby. Finally, we get a little peek behind the mysterious dark curtain that is Liz Iacuzzi. But this story isn't really about me. We'll do a show about us later, especially Tyler's mustache cult that he's embarrassed about. I was 15, Liz. I thought I could buy beer with it. Today we're hearing from two people who were part of the group that I was in, including my dear friend, Aaron Carrera. I'm a Pisces, I collect four-leaf clovers, I love dogs. Aaron was born in the small town of Sauk Rapids, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, Sauk Rapids. The Copper Pony store is one of my favorites. (laughs) They've got the best sandwiches. A lot of funny accents. She had a pleasant childhood. My family was very nuclear. It was a mom, a dad, and three kids, and generally speaking, one to two dogs. And we lived in a house with a huge yard and a huge garden on the edge of the forest. Church was a big part of Aaron's upbringing. Yeah, my parents co-founded a church. Living Waters Lutheran in Sauk Rapids. It's ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. This is the progressive version of Lutherans. You know, lady ministers, gay ministers, hurrah! Sounds nice. But even with Aaron's weekly church-going ritual... I myself was way more interested in the New Age bookstore about astrology and tarot cards. (laughs) I was very smart, very talented, and chubby, fat. And people are mean. They were very mean. If you were chubby, you got bullied. Yeah, I had an eating disorder at anorexia in high school. Perhaps not surprisingly, Tyler, but 90% of teens with anorexia are female. I went from being fat to skinny. Suddenly, guys were interested. It's a whole other toxic situation. After high school, Aaron went to college. Six different colleges, to be exact. It's not that I have seven million degrees. It's that my academic career kept getting interrupted by my eating disorder and or other psychological problems. And I would have to drop out. I started a band. 
And I ended up touring all over the U.S. and Europe. I was having a lot of creative life. And I was still super fucked up. Only now we were adding really bad relationships, alcohol, drugs, eating disorders still on and off. Then I met Frank, a very famous opera singer. Beautiful, beautiful voice. He's got all the brilliant, wonderful parts of narcissism and kind of swept me off my feet. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with him. And then I was living this international life, traveling all over the world. He was promising me the sun and the moon. You don't have to work your stupid day job you hate anymore. You can just write music and be your artistic self. He was really great in the beginning. And then he started separating me from family and friends. He started taking me on extended trips, started manipulating me, started gaslighting me. I learned after the fact All of this is textbook abusive relationship. They woo you. They sweep you off your feet. It's amazing. Then they start isolating you from your friends and family. And then slowly over time, the abuse becomes gaslighting. You start thinking you're the crazy one because they're very good at manipulation. So then there were more dramas and on and on and on and on until finally we broke up. Honestly, this sounds like the first cult you were in. It was absolutely the first cult I was in. So one day while still living in Minnesota, Aaron announces that I was moving to Los Angeles. I have to pursue my dreams. I want to sing. I want to act. And she drove out to Los Angeles. Is anyone actually from L.A.? No, Tyler. And you're one of the people who are not from L.A. True. I moved here four months ago. And the ones that are from L.A., they're not stupid enough to be in the entertainment business. Valid. Now, not everyone's moving to L.A. story is so easy breezy. But for Aaron... Within two months, I had my SAG card. I had a bunch of jobs, a bunch of clients, but I was in a place where I was very lonely. I didn't have friends. I didn't come to LA having friends. So the only people I knew were people I was meeting around town. It was an environment that was unstable and it was hard to find contentment. This is another one of my good friends, Josh Barron. I'm from Tucson, Arizona originally had a wonderful childhood, and then I moved to California for college and came down to L.A. after college to pursue a career in the entertainment industry. I mean, I was a kid who moved to L.A. I knew no one and was looking to find a community of people, of artists, and get an education in the craft of acting. So he signed up for an acting class, and he did learn a bit about the craft of acting as well as met a woman who became his girlfriend. But that class had its own toxicity to it. It was recruiting women for dates and sex, essentially. Oh, Mm. gross. It was unbelievably toxic and disgusting. But Hollywood's changing, Tyler. Now you don't have to suck a dick to get a role anymore. Naive outsider here, Liz. Is it really that bad? I mean, once upon a time, yeah, I think it was really that bad. I don't know. I'm just in the documentary world. We kind of sit at the kids' table. We're a bunch (laughs) of nerds making movies about climate change and penguins. (laughs) So I guess I've avoided that world. Well, Hollywood does have its dark side, but it's changing slowly. And so we got out of there. And then we went on the search like a lot of people do. So, okay, that was a shit experience. Let's find a better class. You get a job at a bar or a restaurant. You're working with a lot of other actors, and you ask them, do you know any good acting teachers, acting classes? Josh's girlfriend was working at a restaurant, 
and met someone there who said, hey, I have a great class. So she went to the class, came home. And said, there's this class with this woman who's pretty eccentric, but the people who were in the class were really talented. So she signed up. I was a little, honestly, a little burnt on acting classes for a second. So she started this class without me. And then after a couple months of her being there, there started to be a lot of pressure from her to like, you got to come check out the class. Don't you want your career to work out? Don't you want to get your life? Was this phrase that came up a lot. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go audit your acting class. The recruitment process had already begun from his closest confidant, no less. So Josh went to audit the class. I mean, it's free, after all. Yeah, it's free. What's the harm in that? Yeah, lots of great things are free, like uh, coupons. Smells. Taking a bath. Picking up dog shit. Not going to the gym. Eating dirt. Crying yourself to sleep. (laughs) Oh, the tester bottles at beauty stores. I don't think those are free, Liz. Not the whole bottle. My bathroom vanity would disagree with you, Tyler. (laughs) I went and I sat in the back and I had much the same reaction. This is a really eccentric woman, but there were talented people there. She was talking about being an artist from the inside out and being fulfilled. That's what I bought into immediately, was that idea. So Josh signs up for class two. Okay, Liz, so tell me a little bit about acting classes. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining it's a bit like Barry, the HBO show, which, listeners, if you haven't watched, you should. It's actually not too far off. Uh, Henry Winkler is obviously a bit more sardonic, but I did read somewhere that he was taking cues from his own acting teacher, the famous Stella Adler. Okay, so acting classes. I mean, that sounds like something that could help an actor. Mm -hmm. And Josh seemed like he wanted that. All actors want that. And meanwhile, Aaron is in L.A., doing massage. I'm guessing she didn't move to L.A. to give back rubs. No, but she is a damned good masseuse, and she needed to make a living. But one day she gave a massage to a woman. And she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm an actor, and I'm a singer, and I'm a writer. And she said, I know the woman who can make you the star that you are. And she said her name. And the name, did it feel familiar? It just felt like, yes. I felt the same way when I had fallen in love. I felt this kick in the stomach. That's it. That's the one. Keep in mind, we are not going to reveal her name, but shall refer to her as teacher. Okay, back it up a bit to about two years prior. While Erin was still in Minneapolis, she had been consulting with psychics. Oh, psychics. The long con, still alive. (laughs) Regardless, one psychic told Erin, Why do you live here? You're supposed to be living in California. And when you get there, Look for the great mother. She's probably 50. She will help you with your career. So, Erin called the studio, and without knowing anything about the class or the teacher, she signed up for an upcoming three-day intensive, also known as the foundation class. It was $450. And Erin shows up on the day of the class, which at the time was in a cozy living room in someone's home in Van Nuys, California. You know, Tyler, I was there, too. Oh, really? And who else was there, Liz? Do tell. Anyone famous? Well, I'm not going to say that a Marvel superhero was in the class with us, but I'm also not going to say he wasn't. Intriguing. I'm not going to say who. (laughs) You're such a (laughs) non-name-dropper name-dropper. I know. Everybody was super lovey-dovey and hugging each other, but nobody knew me. Nobody said a word to me. I just sat down on the couch, which there are people who have places in these courses. You don't take their spot. 
but I did. I didn't know. And then everybody was like, hush, hush, hush. Oh. And then she came out and she sat on her little throne chair and she looked at everyone. She said, look at all of you. You're all like my little children and I'm your mother. I'm like your mother. And I went, oh, it's her. She's the great mother. She will help me. And there she was in front of her. This life-changing acting coach led to her by the psychic stars. I remember I was feeling so elated at having found the woman that I thought was going to help me get my life on track. I mean, I had gone from being valedictorian of my high school class with full-ride scholarships everywhere I applied to, in my mind, a total loser and wasn't pursuing my dreams. I just thought this was the woman who was going to finally help me. I was really happy. And of course, she was like, who the fuck are you? Who's that angry bitch sitting on the couch? And I was like, how are you, my mother? (laughs) But it didn't drive her away. It felt like a challenge. And Aaron was up for it. My experience with people loving me had been very bad at that point, right? It was kind of like, I will become what you need so that you love me. Okay, who is this lady? She grew up in Hollywood. She was the child of a very successful person and wanted to be an actress herself. And so she studied at an acting class of a very famous acting teacher. An instructor by the name of Roy London. Once he passed away, there was no one teaching what he had taught. And her acting career didn't end up coming to fruition. So she opened up a little acting class in the Valley. And became an acting teacher. It's actually a pretty intimate and powerful position because everybody's instrument is themselves. So to go in and talk to someone about growing their craft is to talk to them in some ways about growing themselves. She liked the power of that. Well, that's an understatement. You see, what's tricky about this environment is it's very easy to take advantage and manipulate actors. If you think about it, it's an actor's actual job to show up and be vulnerable, right? To expose their insides to the outside world as a form of entertainment. And the people who attended these classes simply wanted to be better at the very difficult craft of acting. They were people who had a dream. They wanted something that they didn't have. They want to be better at something than they are and looking for help doing it. The magic of so many people showing up with their dream in their hand and put it out there for everyone to see in a vulnerable way. Which can sometimes create a beautiful, magical space. And to be fair, there was a lot of that happening in this class, at times. And Josh was enjoying the early stages of learning from this teacher. But Erin, well, she felt a different vibe from this woman. She was actively mean to me. She always called me the angry bitch, okay, angry bitch. And then the angry bitch in the corner, you know, became a nickname for me. But it wasn't just Erin. This woman got off on making people feel trite and small. And you were a superhero if you were able to not take it personally, but instead use it for your self-growth. She would criticize my appearance often, and I have a long history with eating disorders. And when she found out, she told everyone. But being just an acting teacher wasn't enough. She also fancied herself a guide, i.e. a life coach. So in addition to the acting classes, she also offered something called life classes. Her classes at times felt more like a therapy session. But this teacher wasn't even close to being a real therapist. 
No, she had no real credentials other than studying with other people like Roy London or going to a few yoga classes or AA meetings. I think she even went to Landmark Forum once. Yet another cultic organization. And so to justify her lack of credentials, she would say she had a gift. Oh, they're also gifted, aren't they? <laughs> and what was her gift? Well, it has evolved, of course. But in the beginning, she gave herself the fancy title of human, human behavior expert. Right. I don't know what the fuck that means. And despite her lack of qualifications, she guided these pseudo-therapy sessions. But unlike healthy one-on-one -on -one therapy, this was group therapy in front of everyone. It was pretty evident why that was not healthy. Anything that you would mention was something that would get attacked almost immediately. She encouraged others to dislike me. She told stories about me that people then assumed were true, like that I was a stripper her justification for this type of emotional abuse was that she was breaking down your ego, which, Tyler, you could use some of. You have broken that long <laughs> ago, Liz. In her school of thought, it's our ego that gets in the way of our greatness. Which, to some extent, is true. Yes, of course. That's what's so tricky about her classes and cults in general. They often take existing philosophies and, quote, reinvent them, claim them as their own special work, and then use those philosophies against the person in abusive and harmful ways. I remember my first scene in acting class. She was like, look at her. Look at her. Do you see what she's doing? She was pointing and saying, do you see what she's doing? Laughing at me. And then everybody in the class would laugh. If there is a hell, I think this is what it might be. But think about it. It fit perfectly within the context of wanting to become a better actor. The way she taught it was that in order to be a better actor, you need to be able to put yourself out there, face the ridicule, face the critique, drum up old trauma and use it for your craft. And there is some truth to that, but it was her tactics that were abusive. The solutions that so many of my peers were looking for in their work wasn't that complicated. It was simple stuff, you know? Like, try this, see if this feels better, see if this helps. And then realizing that then the next day, or the next class, she would be back and telling that person that they're terrible and that they were going nowhere. I mean, that was the game she played with everybody. And the teardown process was really ugly and public and shameful. Once she, in the middle of an acting class, hopped on top of me, licked my face, and then did like a stripper move on me. And she said, see, see how rigid she is. And then after that, she said, so who abused you, your mother? Which was so weird, also inaccurate. But at the time, I just thought, What's wrong with me? Why am I so rigid? There were probably about 12 of us in class, including some very well-known people. No one commented on that. Not even the unnamed superhero came to her rescue. All right, so Josh and Aaron are both in this acting class, hoping that the teacher can improve their craft. But like many cults, the teacher or cult leader gets greedier and wants more people's time and money. Hence the life classes. And soon she was leading weekend retreats, women's retreats, men's retreats, couples retreats, and the price tag kept going up. And at one time she decided to have a woman's retreat in Ojai, California, where the women would go off together 
do a deep dive into what's holding them back. And Josh's girlfriend would often come back from these trips really questioning their relationship. Which is normal in cults to sabotage romantic relationships. What would end up happening next is she would have me do some scene and make out with some other girl in class because that was what the scene was about. And then knowing that my girlfriend was in the audience watching, going through her own specific bout of insecurity, and then talking about how much it looked like I really loved the girl I was kissing, which was totally inappropriate and shitty. Despite all this, Josh stayed, as did Aaron. It was part of their self-growth, after all. I almost feel like she was doing everything in her power to get me to not come back. But that was all part of this teacher's malignant manipulation. She loved to challenge people. You won't last a week with me, or you could really benefit from this work, but your ego won't be able to hack it. Or sometimes she would have very established working actors come to class and she would say things like, well, you've made it this far sucking. Congratulations. Not sure I can deprogram all your shitty habits and get you from working actor to great actor, but stick around long enough and we'll see. Remember Aaron's first day when the teacher said to Aaron, who's this bitch? That was all part of the plan from the beginning. This is why I do think she's a brilliant woman, because she was able to speak to my desire for greatness. And she was able to make fun of me, demoralize me in an acting scene, and then say, but we'll get you where you need to go. This teacher convinced her that the abuse was part of the process of becoming a better artist. Aaron says brilliant, I say highly manipulative. Typical cult tactic, break them down, build them back up again. But I was so convinced that she was the teacher I was supposed to be working with. She was self-proclaimed the best, why would I think otherwise? After all, she's driving a Range Rover, and I want to be mean about like plastic surgery, but she has all the markers of wealth that is required in Beverly Hills. There were some celebrities in class. There were people who were working. Maybe I'll just stay a little longer and see. It's a lot like sitting at the gambling table. You're down five large, but a few more bets, you're back to even. Speaking of the self-proclaimed best, that is exactly what she was. It was all narcissistic self-aggrandizing. She would say it's her work, her channel, when in fact, in hindsight, she was just borrowing from others. Or stealing it, actually. <laughs> exactly. She borrowed... Or stole. Right, from Roy London, as we mentioned. But in her other classes, she was pulling from great thought leaders and philosophers of the 60s and 70s. The Bhagavad Gita, which is considered one of the most holy scriptures of Hinduism. Vedic sages. When you steal from the greats, the things you say can also be great. Exactly. There were gems you learn in class, tools that did help you in your work and in your life. The concept of being present, right? She talked about depression being stuck in the past, anxiety being stuck in the future. Yeah, all stuff that I've heard therapists say. Yeah, and I saw many people break down and face a lot of fears, insecurities, and let go of bad habits and patterns. And Josh, well, he was learning new tools, and in fact, he started booking acting gigs. And then one day... A big opportunity comes up last minute that was very common in Hollywood. So he calls his teacher to discuss the audition. I was like, yeah, I'm standing outside of Warner Brothers. She's like, you're not ready. You're not ready. You need more classes. You need more time. Here he has a huge opportunity. And instead of supporting him like a true guide or teacher would, she broke him down. And it was amazing to see her sabotage those opportunities for all of her students. 
she was afraid that that would cause that person to leave, to no longer be there in her class. So she would sabotage them all the time. There's no plan for you to graduate. You're not being taught anything. Because to learn something is that eventually I have this skill and I can go do this skill on my own. My third grade teacher is nowhere near me, but I'm writing, I'm doing addition. Her goal was to create an environment where you needed her in order to succeed. Thereby taking more classes and paying more money. But she always wanted more. She was slightly manic and never content. She had been this acting teacher and life coach for years and was paying the bills doing it. But then one day she went on a yoga retreat. What took it from one level to the next with this little acting class in the valley was this teacher had taken a trip to India. And while on this spiritual adventure, she met people who were making a living being spiritual guides. I'm sure she thought to herself, I could do that. So she came back from this trip and her classes completely changed. She actually wanted to become a guru. Yes, a guru. And she actually called herself that. Guru does have a much nicer ring to it than human behavior expert. But now that she's a fully-fledged, self-appointed guru, the life classes were no longer an option for the actors. Suddenly, actors in her acting class had to also take and pay for a whole new class. What she did was make it mandatory. You have to do both. Because she doesn't want to teach you these skills in acting and then have you have a fucked up life. She justified it by saying she can only take you so deep in the acting class. But you won't get very far unless you're also deepening your life. So if you're not in both classes, well, you are a waste of my time. Her life classes were located when I first started in her living room. And then they moved outside to the backyard where she had built sort of a little, like, um, gazebo, kind of. And she sits on a chair a la a throne. With a shawl wrapped around herself like she's been studying at the foot of the Buddha for forever when she just, like, ordered this shawl on Amazon. (laughs) Right? Like, it's absurdity. (laughs) And her little dogs on her lap or circling around her. And then the rest of us sit on the floor before her. There's incense burning. There's flowers all laid around. She is creating the visual and sensory experience of being in front of some enlightened person. And the monitors of the class were answering to her every OCD beck and call. And monitors were who? Recruiters, essentially. They did everything, organized the classes, collected the payments, got people enrolled in the class, set everything up. They were her bitches, basically. And she was very high maintenance. She had a lot of rules and demands. She needed a specific lip balm in her drawer, flowers in front of her in specific arrangements. And she was so abusive to these monitors. In front of everyone, she would always say like, oh, look at her. She's an idiot. Why do I only have idiots working for me? Sounds lovely. So, in addition to berating young, unpaid assistants, she would also dole out knowledge, life advice akin to therapy. She claimed she was a channel, Tyler, okay? So please give her the untrained respect she does not deserve. Thank you. And the life class was essentially all of the unlicensed therapy that she was attempting to practice in the acting class, just unmasked. And soon, she started to care more about being a guru than being an acting coach. There was a lot more money there because there were a lot more people looking for life coaching and gurus than people who want to be actors, even in L.A. 
and her classes were full. Obviously, there were artists, there were actors and writers. There are a lot of professional people, high-powered attorneys and business people. Entrepreneurs, restaurateurs, people who were day-trading stocks. Sommeliers, salespeople, school teachers, yoga teachers. It was a lot of really smart people. Looking for growth, looking for a change. Who wanted to make the world a better place through their endeavors. Which, of course, made it an appealing place to be. So I just kept coming and coming, and she just kept getting meaner and meaner, and I kept shrinking and shrinking and becoming what she was saying. So after four months of this, Erin booked a private session with the teacher. Privates, as they were called, were basically 50-minute one-on-one coaching sessions with a self-proclaimed transformational guide. At the very low cost of just $300. Lucky you. And it was the 4th of July. I left a party. I left a yacht. And I drove all the way from Newport Beach to Van Nuys. And she was like, well, why are you here? And I said, well, why don't you like me? She said, because you're an angry bitch. Nobody likes you. And I didn't have it in me to say, well, that's not true, actually. Uh, A lot of people kind of adore me. I didn't know how to say that. I was like, well, what do I do? She said, you have to come to India. (laughs) (laughs) She talked all the time about India trip, India, 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 India. That was where real healing and real transformation was possible. Soon, it wasn't enough for her to bring the Indian spirituality to the group. She wanted to bring the group to India. For a two-week deep dive into self, meeting with yogis, monks, gurus, in the birthplace of yoga, no less, Rishikesh, India. The same place the Beatles found enlightenment. That's true. The Beatles actually went to Rishikesh in 1968 for some spiritual enlightenment, but they departed early because they discovered that their guru, named the Maharishi, was having sex with numerous women despite telling everyone to remain celibate. Why is that such a fucking theme? It's cliched, (laughs) but John Lennon actually wrote a song about it. Go dig out your White Album and listen to Sexy Sadie, but replace the word Sexy Sadie with Maharishi. Brings on a whole new level to that song. What have you done? You made a fool of everyone. Oh, you made a fool of everyone. You'd be traveling with your peers, guided by her. And of course, she was charging an absurd amount of money. At this point, the trips were about five grand. Which was a bit more money than Aaron could afford. And I was like, well, I couldn't possibly go. I, I have no money. I mean, it takes everything to pay for this. She was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. But if you want your career, you want a man, you want a life, you want friends, you want somebody to like you, you better be on that plane to India. Josh and his girlfriend were also invited to India. Tyler, everyone was invited to India. I mean, we were broke, my ex and I. A lot of our money were going to these classes. Other than my rent and health insurance or whatever, it was the most expensive thing I was spending money on. And then this idea of like, we should go on this India trip. The sales pitches were hard and heavy and decisions about not spending all the money you had or made akin to you not wanting to take a risk, not being willing to take a leap of faith for your life, for your career. And it didn't matter what that person's circumstances were. If you can't afford to go on a trip, she will insist that you rise up, make a commitment, and let the money come. 
she would promise things like, I guarantee you, you will make twice the money after the trip and you will have all your dreams come true. <laughs> wow, That's her financial advice in life class. <laughs> Once she told one of her students, well, I don't care how you find the money. If you have to, you would sell your car. And then he did sell his car to pay for the trips. I sold a guitar to go on a trip. I sold so much of my stuff. And the teacher would use more than terrible financial advice to coerce. She would enlist others. And I'm pretty sure she sicked a couple of her, what's the word, henchmen? She sicked a few of the recruiters on me. One day, another woman from the class approached her and said, So I heard, you're coming to India. And I said, oh, what? No, I can't afford it. And she's like, really? Because I see you there. I see you in India. And you know what happened is the very next day, I actually got a check. I had gotten a song placed in a movie. I got a check for $1,500, which was how much the plane ticket was. So she bought the plane ticket. And when the teacher found out, she told her, I respect that hustle. And I'll tell you what, pay as much as you can ahead of time and then pay the rest when you come back. And I was like, oh, loves me. <laughs> I mistook her desire for my money as she's accepting me. She loves me. She was actually not horrible to me. <laughs> oh, Aaron. So Aaron borrowed the money from a friend and took every job she could in order to pay for the trip. And Josh? Well, the peer pressure also got to him. So he and his girlfriend ended up going on the India trip. Two of them, actually. They were amazing trips with amazing people who were actually really trying to grow themselves. We're really on missions of like self-exploration in a way that was very honorable as artists. Here we are in India, and I really am actually having some transformational experiences. Were they because of her? I actually don't think so. Because my transformational experiences happened in meditations. The only reason they're related to her is because she was the reason I was there. But while in India, Erin gave teacher a massage. And she realized I was very good at it and then offered to trade massage for the remainder of the price of the trip. She offered for me to stay an extra week. Erin's value just tripled. She now moved up in the teacher's eyes. There's the inner circle, her and her pets. There's another circle of people trying to become a pet. And then there's this sort of third tier of people who are maybe committed, but not trying to be close. She was now hanging out with the cool kids. I mean, I was really close to her. And there's a rush you get out of being really close to someone, even if the price is high. Because you are convinced that she's special. And the price was definitely high, more than just money. My evenings became about massaging her or my regular clients to pay for the trips and to pay her back. I was working so hard all the time that I stopped having time for dating. I stopped having time for friends. I would show up at her house to do a massage. And sometimes, yeah, it would be like, oh, let's go shopping first, or let's go have sushi first. You know, and only ever at this extremely expensive restaurant. Oh, let's go see a movie first. Don't you want to get my wisdom during this movie and buy me popcorn? And, you know, I'm literally negative 200 in my bank account. And then at 1 a.m., I'd start the massage. Yeah, that happened many times. 
if you came to her for advice, she could give you whatever shit advice she had. I have a solution for you. Why don't you drive my kids to school and see if that helps you solve this problem? Why don't you do stuff for me as a form of getting out of yourself? I also did a lot of volunteer stuff for her for free. I transcribed class after class after class for no money to help her to write her book. And then she would read what she had said, and she was like, well, this is gibberish. This isn't a book. But supposedly it wasn't coming from her. No, it was coming through her. She will say things about herself. I'm a channel. You all think I'm psychic and I'm a guru, but it's just you. I'm just reading your being. I'd rather just be going shopping and then come home and watch a movie. You know, I don't want to have to do this, but I'm here. I'm here for you. I remember her once actually channeling Jesus. Do you remember this? (laughs) Do you remember this? No. She sat back in her chair and then she tucked her chin in and she raised her eyes up and her voice got very <laughs> sorry I know I can't have to do it without laughing do it again. she lifted her eyes up and then she started speaking in this low strange voice I'm not doing it well because it sounded more like a croak <laughs> than a deep voice she was channeling Jesus from when Jesus was alive <laughs> I mean, and we all just sat there and listened. (laughs) I mean, why am I laughing? It's like so ridiculous. We're laughing because who the fuck says that? Who says that shit, And gets away with it. Exactly. Like in your living room in fucking Van Nuys, California. (laughs) I mean. So this teacher had to this point been teaching acting classes for years. And eventually she started to realize that teaching acting well, it's hard. Yeah, much harder than doing a horrifying impression of Jesus. You just couldn't let it lie, could you, Liz? You had to ice the cake. I did. So she deprioritized acting class, and she shifted her focus to the life classes. And Josh felt this shift personally. Because I was the one who started teaching her acting classes for her when she started deprioritizing them. And one of the hooks with me was that if I taught for her, then I got my classes for free. Heaven forbid you actually fucking pay someone for doing a job. What a novel concept. The teaching helped me talk about the tools and the craft of acting in a way that I actually think really grew me. He was teaching the intermediate acting class. So people would come to me first, and they would get a lot out of that environment, and then they would eventually graduate. And move on to the master's class, which Guru Lady taught. And then people would get in her class and be like, what the fuck is happening in here? This <laughs> is, she's not teaching acting, and she, this, this lady's nuts. You know, it's funny. Actors that went to her years ago would come back to class here or there and be like, what the fuck is going on in these classes now? Why is she dressed in flowing yogi clothes with shawls talking about Vedic scriptures? Being a teacher isn't just having a room where you talk about stuff. It's not good enough just to understand exactly how the body works to be a surgeon. You have to understand this is a person. And if you make a mistake in here, that that's their fucking life. She told me, you know, Aaron, you're just only ever going to do massage the rest of your life. Which, first of all, it's a horrible thing for someone who's supposedly your life teacher that's helping you rise up and live the life you want to live to say to you, it's all about her and her needs. It had nothing to do with my dreams. You showing up with your dream in your hand and someone deciding that they'd like to take advantage of that. 
Okay, Liz, how many people were in these classes? Um, I would say at any given time, it hovered right around 40 students. In her mind, she desperately wanted to be the next Marianne Williamson with book deals and large speaking events. But she could never get there. And you were there with Josh and Aaron at the time? I was. Uh, Did you ever go on the India trip? I did, more than once. Because it was never quite good enough just to go on one trip. All my friends were going. There was a lot of peer pressure. Her classes basically turned into one big promotion for the India trip. Well, it was probably a big moneymaker, I'm guessing. Exactly right. And that's all she would talk about. Are you going to India? Oh, no. Well, you don't really want your life, do you? And how did she get people to go again and again? Because there's always more work to do on yourself. Mm, And always more money for sushi and designer (laughs) purses. Well, she was a very materialistic guru, because that makes total fucking sense. Buddha just loves Gucci. On Erin's second trip to India, she realized that the teacher, the middle-aged teacher, was... Dating a 24-year-old. Right. Well, dating is... She was sleeping with, I don't know, a guru with benefits? I don't know. (laughs) She was sleeping with the Indian guru that we were there to work with. Hi, Paul. Seems like the Maharishi's not the only guru having a bit of a shag. All of the trip really was a pretext for her to get a free trip to go see this man she was in love with. Love can make you do crazy things. The interesting part of their relationship was that he was the one with power over her. He would yell at her and say mean things about her, mean things about her age, talk about how she was a minor guru who didn't have wisdom in front of all of us. I was sick on that trip, and I had a fever. At one point, we were going down to have a class by the river, and he offered to give me a ride on the back of his motorcycle. And the minute she saw me on the back of his motorcycle, she walked right up to me and she said, get off the bike, bitch. I was so shocked she would say that to me because she was my teacher. I loved her. And then in that instant, I got it. They were not gods. They were just people. That's when I knew I had to leave. But unlike John, Paul, George, and Ringo, Aaron stayed. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't strong enough to leave. Meanwhile, Josh was dealing with a more serious life issue. His girlfriend had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. She was so sick, she couldn't work. We were putting her health insurance on credit cards until we lost that. We didn't know what was going to happen. But the acting coach, come guru, had an idea. She was going to take people to Bali and heal them. Now, as you may know from Eat, Pray, Love, which I never read, Bali is home to a plethora of spiritual healers. Including one man she would visit named Manku, whom the New York Times did an expose about. These healers are beloved and revered for their service and ability, and it is quite incredible to be exposed to. Yeah, well, let's not forget that. Many of these healers are frauds using trickery and sleight of hand to appear to heal. I actually made a movie about a guy who spent his life trying to expose psychics and faith healers. Nope, Tyler. Not going to plug that movie either. Fine. But teacher believed in magical healers, and Bali is beautiful. But it's not a cheap trip. And for Josh, he didn't know what to do. I mean, the girl I loved had a brain tumor and was saying, I want to go to Bali and see if someone can fix me. 
And I didn't think it was a great plan, but I also knew what it would be like to tell her no. How do you tell someone who thinks that they could be dying that they want to do one last thing and then you say no? So Josh and his girlfriend spent the money and she went on a trip to Bali. And then she came back and still had a brain tumor. What this woman was hoping was that she would go to Bali and get cured and then tell everyone that she cured her. And when it didn't happen, she decided to shame this sick girl. She just decided that if she had wanted her life, she could have just got better. But she clearly wants to be sick and shamed her. This was the thing that led Josh's girlfriend to finally leave. She eventually got better, by the way, using mythical healers called doctors. But Josh had new responsibilities within the studio, so he stayed. I now felt like I was teaching this acting class and doing some good and wanting to try and make something good out of this. I was afraid of being unsuccessful, both personally and professionally. It was a fear of not getting what I wanted. And I think that's what kept me there for sure. Part of this cult leader's dirty manipulation is she gets her students to believe that they need her. Yeah, who would I be without her? How would I live? Most of my clients were tied to her. Erin stayed for years and continued going on trips. Two India trips, one Ojai trip, one Joshua Tree trip. More classes. More money. More problems. Sometimes it was like, pay or buy groceries. I'm not kidding when I say that. I still stayed with her. I was trying to leave her for years. Which is very common in cults. Many people get to the point where they want out, but they don't know how. Because the fear tactics the cult leader has used to get them to stay have completely taken over to the point that you have lost touch with your true self. And then I met my partner and we started seeing each other. He was, God bless, like a healthy person who like just saw me and loved me. Her superhero finally arrived. And he started gently asking questions. If she's able to really be this channel, then why does she have these problems? Or why, if it's about rising up and you've been there this many years, why are you actually more in debt now than before you started with her? Basic logic questions. And these basic logic questions were actually quite difficult for Aaron to answer. And Josh at this point had been with this woman for three or four years, but he wasn't doing as well professionally as he would have liked. And he wasn't the only one. He started looking at the people in class that had been there for a long time and realized... This program was not producing the successful artist that it was claiming to. And then I was also watching some people leave and become more successful upon leaving. She was actually destroying her own clientele and had to constantly go find new people to destroy. She's just been a thief of dreams. So that's when I left. After years of taking classes, teaching classes, going on trips, and generally subjugating himself to this woman, Josh finally got the courage to leave. And just like that, he was free. But for Aaron, she stuck around a bit. She still believed that this woman was the key to her achieving her dreams. And then one day... I gave a concert, and I invited one of my fellows to sing with me, who was a great singer. 
The next day in class, the teacher talked about the show. She said, yeah, Aaron was fine, but how about, and then she named the other student, Wow, a star is born. She blew everyone in the audience away. And then she looked at me, and I didn't react, because any reaction meant you were triggered, and then it would become the subject for class. After class, Erin called her boyfriend and told him what happened. And he goes, honey, honey, I was at the concert. And yeah, she's a good singer. But you were amazing. And I was like, that's not what I need to hear. He's like, yeah, you do. Let me ask you this. How does, and then he named the student, how does she make a living? And I said, her parents pay for her life. And he goes, oh, I see. And how many classes a week does she take with the teacher? Usually both life classes and an acting class. And he said, and does she go on all the trips? I'm just pointing out that she makes a lot of money off of that student. She makes a lot less money off of you. Her actual end game is to continue to keep you needing her for financial sustenance and massages. That's when I got it. And I went, "Uh uh-huh. And that was it, her final blow. So she wrote a letter to the teacher saying she is no longer going to be her student. And she said, I'm very sad to hear this, but I hope I can still get massages from you. So I... (laughs) (laughs) I said, sure, my rate is $130 an hour. Well played, Aaron. Well played. So I was with her for, I don't remember how many years, but, and I don't really want to think about it, five? Five years? Oh, God. They were both finally free and better for it. But it never really occurred to them that what they experienced might have been, well, a cult. I knew what cults were, but of course this was not Heaven's Gate, right? We were not wearing tracksuits, shaving our heads. I think I felt like this was a very unhealthy woman who was doing very personal, intimate work, and she was doing it fucking terribly. Therefore, I would have said it was a toxic environment. But then Josh started watching documentaries about cults. That's when I really started realizing that this term applies. This was a cult. She's a cult leader. I fell for this. My dream was bigger than my self-awareness, and that was really hard to swallow. Because I always thought my dream was a positive thing. I mean, even me sitting here now in front of this microphone with you is because I feel honor-bound to do it. Because I know that other people showed up and stayed longer than they would have because of me. And they got sick from being around her. And I got sick from being around her. Both Josh and Aaron now recognize that they were, in fact, in a cult. And they use that term to describe it. But not everyone does. A lot of people who have left that environment see it as a shitty acting class instead of seeing it as a cult. That's understandable. It's difficult to admit that you joined a cult. The social stigma can be scary. And that's part of why we do this show. To show how easily someone can be manipulated into a cult-like situation. And if they are in one, how they can extricate themselves from it. My experience of leaving was profound. And it was a journey of realizing where my boundaries were and weren't healthy and strong. And I slowly rebuilt my life, partially by surrounding myself with people who were not culty. I actually kind of ran away from self-help for a while. And then I was able to start making a few new friendships or renewing other friendships with people who 
I had lost a little bit while I was in the cult. For my eating disorder, I continue to work with a therapist, an actual therapist. I don't have to live the way I used to live with my eating issues, with my emotional issues. I also don't have to sacrifice myself for my dreams to get help. I've made a commitment to my partner to be as healthy as I can. So we've made commitments like savings, investments, paying off debt, getting healthy about food, body image, pursuing my dreams and my career, opposite of what I learned from this teacher. The only person who can change your life is yourself, and the real teachers are trying to get you to understand that as fast as possible. Who are you taking your precious dream, your precious thing to? Josh is now writing and acting, and he's running a nonprofit. And Erin, she's singing, writing, acting, and producing. And the teacher, well, she recognized her cult-like leader ways and she stopped teaching. She is now living a quiet, repentful life in northern Maine. She continues to perform by occasionally acting in the local town's dinner theater, where her recent performance of Steel Magnolias was, quote, raw and inspiring. No, Tyler. She also likes to give puppies. No, Tyler. She gives money to the no. homeless. No, she, no, she, yeah, doesn't, she doesn't, doesn't she? She, sadly, is still up to her old ways. She's got new students. Acting class is a thing of the past. I heard now that she's a Balinese healer and charges $4,000 for you, too, to become a healer, Tyler. I like my story better. I do, too. Thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you, Josh. And thank you, Aaron, for your openness and bravery. And this unbelievable story doesn't stop here. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we'll hear from two other survivors of this group. But next week, we'll hear from a remarkable woman who left the children of God. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I will make you fishers of men. And they took that to mean that all the women were bait and hookers for Jesus. And so you would go out and try and find fish and hook them and then bring them back into the fold. Really, he focused on women using their sexuality to win the world for Jesus. There were references in this episode to eating disorders. So if you or someone you love is struggling with disordered eating and needs help, please visit anad.org for more information. Or if you or anyone you know was in a cult, reach out to us. Your story could be told right here. Email us at info at wasiinacult.com. Also, Liz and I were guests on a great show called Pod Sauce. It's hosted by Alicia Renee and Dax Holt. And it's not just a podcast, guys. It's a videotaped show, by the way. So you can get on and see that we have faces and limbs. And you can see Tyler's aura, which is a light shade of fuchsia. And if you look close enough, you can see Liz's prison tats. And Tyler's dad bod. And Liz's bare man feet. Man, are they sexy. The link is in the show notes, guys. Visit us at wasanacult.com and learn how you can support this podcast. 
Was I in a Cult? Story produced and written by the very talented Liz Iacuzzi. And the casually attired Tyler Mason. Executive producer is Maya Cole Howard. Supervising producer Ari Basile. And audio engineer is the great Chandler Mays. And our LA engineer, Daniel Goodman. Thank you, Daniel, for all that you do. And our fan of the week is Dylan Garrett Smith. Insta handle is at DylanXVX. Shout out to Dylan. Thanks, Thanks for, for the, the love. love. And don't forget to rate and review everyone. Tyler needs the ego boost. It does help.